Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. A month now after Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico, 3 million Puerto Ricans, or 80% of the population, is still without power. More than a third of households are without reliable drinking water at home. The death toll may be in the hundreds. CNN reports that much of the island feels like it was hit by a storm yesterday. And some Puerto Ricans are expressing the worry that the news cycle will turn and the island's needs will be forgotten. Well, today we're going to focus on Puerto Rico and to try to point you to good ways to help. We'll seek some context, look at some history as well, and our guests uh, a little later in the program will in, uh, include uh, a Salt Lake City lawyer with the uh, Puerto Rican uh, roots, uh, Dorani Rodriguez. And we bring in now Edwin Melendez, Professor of Urban Affairs and Planning at Hunter College, Director of the Center for Puerto Rican Studies. Uh, Professor Melendez, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for the invitation. It's my pleasure. We appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, to be with us. Um, uh, so you're there, director of the Center for P- Puerto Rican Studies, have uh, studied uh, the uh, the island and the ins and outs uh, for for a long time. This is uh, I'm not sure how uh, unprecedented this is uh, for for Puerto Rico. Well, you have to go back to 1928 for the last uh, hurricane that has this uh, this type of uh, impact on the island, but uh, Things have certainly changed dramatically over the years, and obviously the population at that time. About 300 people died at that time. You know, obviously the the housing infrastructure infrastructure was more sturdy, though uh, the impact of the hurricane, as devastating as it was, also had a very uneven uh, impact on the uh, the poorer. Uh, communities in Puerto Rico, you know, the inside the hills type of communities were really hit hard, uh, bridges were lost, communications has been lacking, uh, and they're still lifting uh, food and water supplies in helicopters that are, you know, uh, not enough to cover uh, the needs of that population. So I think you described the catastrophe and what we are pretty well. Uh, I understand you're originally from Puerto Rico. Came uh, came in '78. Uh, yes, I you know I came to uh, for a couple of years to finish a master's degree, and here I am, you know, 40 years or so mm-hmm. afterwards, yeah. and and uh, so it's a lifetime. And uh, I've been doing some reading. I understand that the, the the Puerto Rican population living in the U.S. is uh, perhaps exceeds the population on the island. Yeah, and it's going to get worse. We just released the report. Uh, the readers, uh, the listeners can actually go to our website, Central PR, and click on the uh, Rebuild Puerto Rico, and uh, which is a website fully devoted to the to the hurricane and and all the type of things that that you need, where to donate, help, uh, news clips, uh, policy issues. So I invite everyone to go there. But we just released a report in which we assess the exodus from the island. And it's alarming. Over the last, uh, since 2006, when the uh, economic crisis started, uh, to 2016, Puerto Rico lost about 15% of the population, over 500,000 people, half a million people. We estimate that over the next two or three years, we're going to lose as many uh, Puerto Ricans from the island. So it's, uh, it's, it's the population of Puerto Rico. Uh, if things don't get fixed fast, uh, it's going to be even more difficult to overcome uh, the the impact of the hurricane and the economic crisis that preceded the impact of the hurricane. So we're uh, we're in for a long term. Uh, right now, uh, there are about three point uh, I'm sorry five point five million Puerto Ricans in the United States, 
and under 3.5 million in Puerto Rico. In two or three years, it's going to be more like 6 million in, uh, in the United States, or 6 million, and under 3 million in Puerto Rico. So you can see how uh, this is uh, terrible uh, for uh, the Puerto Rican community in the United States, but also uh, long-term uh, Puerto Rico's recovery is a challenge to all of us. That's, that's part of it I think we're, we a lot, a lot of us don't focus on, that the population is is going to be decreasing, it looks like, uh, on, right. on the island. Yeah. Uh, let's turn to uh, Dorani Rodriguez, who is a lawyer in Salt Lake City with uh, uh, ties to uh, to Puerto Rico and has I think arranged some uh, some some help as well some ways that people can help. Uh, Dorani Rodriguez, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so tell me what your what your ties are, and I I, I was reading uh, you um, I think you recently brought your parents over. Yes, yes, I'm Puerto Rican. I was born and raised there. I came to Utah when I was 17 years old to go to uh, BYU, and I have an immigration practice, but my family is still there. Um, my parents, my uncles, um, I was able to bring my parents. They are, my daddy's 80 years old, and my mom is 76, and it was just so hard, you know, for them, and we felt the need to bring him here just until things get better. Believe me, it's not easy for them. They didn't want to come. They wanted to stay there. They wanted to help. Um, but they were by themselves, you know, and he was um, standing in lines for hours to try to get gasoline um, or to get anything, you know, to eat. So it was just we were concerned for them, and we felt that it was appropriate for them to come and join me here. What uh, what are you what are you hearing from them? What are you hearing from others about uh, the situation now? A month after the uh, the hurricane hit. Well, we watch the news every day, right? They want to see what's happening. Um, things, you know, they're still so so bad. Um, there's still about you know what eighty five percent of the island has no power. Still, um, communication is getting a little better. Uh, it all depends on what part of the island you're at. Um, a lot more people have water, uh, but not, you know, not the whole island either. So things are difficult. Things with the gasoline and diesel are getting a little better. Uh, but still, there's a huge need. These are people that their houses do not have any roofs. You know, they've lost everything, and they just need so much help. Let me uh, pause right here and ask each of you uh, how best to help. I'll start with Dorani Rodriguez, and, and we'll do this throughout the program. One of the purposes of the program is to, I think a lot of people um, want to help and maybe don't know quite how to do that. So Dorani Rodriguez, what? how best to help? Yes. Um, first of all, I want to thank the, the whole community here in Utah. It's been amazing, the support we have received. We had... Um, some drives and, you know, for people to drop off donations. And it's just, it was, we we were brought to tears just to see everything that people with no connections whatsoever to the island brought to us. Uh, right now, we started what we call phase two of our, you know, relief effort. And the the purpose is to bring power to the island. And we feel that a lot of people need generators, right? Uh, they need water filters, too. But we're focusing more on 
generators bringing power to the island. Um, you have to understand that a lot of these people, they might have the financial ability to buy generators, but they're just not available in the island right now. And we have, you know, partnered with some, you know, local companies here in the state of Utah that have helped us, you know, buy at really good, you know, what they call humanitarian prices, generators that we are bringing to the people of Puerto Rico. So right now, um, it would be more to try to get, you know, money, right, to continue buying generators for the people of Puerto Rico. Um, are there specific uh, avenues to, to go? I notice you uh, think you're involved in, uh, in setting up a, a you-caring page. There's a Facebook page as well. Yes, you can um, reach us. We have a, a Facebook page. It's called Utah for Puerto Rico. And there you could find our um, two you-caring accounts. We, are, um, we have partnered with Vivint. Um, they've been so kind to us. They are the ones that have um, orchestrated all the shipping and all the things to be able to take to Puerto Rico at no cost to us. So every single penny that we're getting uh, in those accounts are going directly and strictly to buy um, goods and generators and, you know, lights and lamps and, you know, and things for the people of Puerto Rico. So if you go to our Facebook page, Utah for Puerto Rico, you'll have the information there on our you caring accounts. Let me turn to uh, Edwin Melendez, Professor Melendez. Uh, what are the biggest needs, the current needs that you're hearing, and, and how, how best would you suggest to help? Uh, well, uh, you know, we got that question so often that we uh, we started this uh, website, and you know, that I referred to uh, before at Central PR Rebuild Puerto Rico. And the point of the site is that it's an interactive uh, mechanism for people to find where to donate, the events across the country. What Utah for Puerto Rico is doing is just amazing. But you have to multiply that by every community in the country that that uh, has some connection to Puerto Rico. There are multiple events every day. There, are, you know, people are coming out of the woods to just be supportive of, uh, uh, you know, Americans uh, in need in in, in the island. Uh, so, uh, you know, so uh, I think at this stage uh, we are sort of a so-called triage stage where we're still saving lives and sending all the food and water and supplies and generators and uh, water purification systems, and everybody can contribute one way or the other is the, is the task of the day. But moving forward, uh, we need to convert this energy into advocacy for Puerto Rico. Right now, uh, the House approved a budget, uh, a, 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 I'm sorry, a bill that has a budget of about $35 million for all the uh, hurricane-impacted uh, areas uh, from Harvey and Irma and now Maria for the fire, uh, fires in California. And uh, in that package, there is an earmarking for Puerto Rico. But moving forward, just as, uh, you know, Katrina and Sandy before uh, Harvey and, uh, and Irma, uh, Sandy and Irma are going to be faster to Congress because their FEMA has been working on on the counting of the of the cost that will take to rebuild those areas, Puerto Rico will be a little bit later. But we need to make sure that we advocate for fair treatment. That that Puerto Rican uh, are as American citizens as anybody else. We we pay taxes like everybody else, 
and it's it's only fair uh, that we treat it uh, in 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 that regard on equal basis. And so, uh, so we're we're calling for people to be engaged, uh, not just in the in this phase, which is so critical. And God bless everybody for what you do. But moving forward, we need to put the case out. You know, as you know, sometimes uh, we fade in the news and. And our elected officials are not fully responsive. And, and you know, Puerto Rico uh, needs us to stand up for for the island right now and for all the brothers and sisters that are in dear need of uh, of our support at this time. So Central, and our role is to help uh, weave that solidarity movement. Uh, as conveners, we have three conferences upcoming. Uh, information is on our website. Uh, we have uh, created a hub for people to interact in support of Puerto Rico. So I think that's the role that we can play and support all the local energy, uh, like Utah for Puerto Rico, that is going across the country. Uh, so anyway, so let me let me stop there. Oh, okay. Uh, let me turn to uh, again to Durani Rodriguez. Is, is that a worry? Do you you hear that? And I've heard, I've seen this in the in the news of various uh, Puerto Ricans saying. Uh, a lot of energy focused on the island right now. It's uh, it's great that people want to help, but the fear is the news cycle will turn and uh, and uh, the needs will be forgotten. Yeah, of course we are. Um, I think this was a you know a wake up call for a lot of us. You know, a lot of Puerto Ricans. Then, you know, we realize that you know our voice sometimes is not heard as we would have hoped so, right? Um, we are concerned that they're going to forget about the island. And, you know, just because we're an island, it just makes it, you know, different. We're not in the mainland, so it just makes it a little harder. And people tend to forget. Um, they don't realize that we are, like, you know, the professor stated, we are U.S. citizens. And, yes, we, we want to make sure that our people are um, taken care of. And, yes, of course, it's a genuine concern. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to pick up that thread that both Professor Melendez and, and uh, Ms. Rodriguez have talked about. Uh, there may be some, uh, some misunderstandings uh, or lack of understanding or hazy understanding about uh, Puerto Rico's status, and uh, that might be having an effect, or that at least that's the fear, that having an effect maybe on uh, people's attitudes uh, toward, some people's attitudes toward helping and, and, um, and embracing uh, the island's needs. More following the break. New Orleans grew from a mix of French, Spanish, and African cultures. Creole musicians joined in the creation of jazz, says our guest, clarinetist Charlie Gabriel. When jazz spread to Texas, Western Swing was born and continues today with the Cueva Sisters. Join me for Creoles and Cowgirls on American Roots from PRX. Join us Saturday night at 8 on Utah Public Radio. Hey, my name is Brian from Portland, Oregon. I love listening to Bullseye when there's someone on whose work I'm familiar with, and I love it even more when I don't know the person who Jesse's interviewing. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week I'm talking with the great Gilbert Gottfried, subject of a new documentary, plus filmmaker Maggie Betts. That's on the next Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Join us Saturday afternoon at 1 on Utah Public Radio. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We're uh, throwing spotlight on Puerto Rico, the uh, situation there on the program uh, today. And we're trying to point you to good ways to help, seeking some context of some history as well. Um, one month after Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico, 3 million Puerto Ricans, or 80% of the population, are still without power. More than a third of households are without reliable drinking water at uh, home. And uh, CNN reports that much of the island feels uh, like it was hit by a storm uh, yesterday. Of course, the, uh, the recovery is going to be uh, long and, and slow, and uh, the need will continue. And we're trying to throw a spotlight on this today with Edwin Melendez, Professor of Urban Affairs and Planning at Hunter College and Director of the Center for Puerto Rican Studies. And we're talking with Dorani Rodriguez, who is a lawyer in Salt Lake City. Uh, so, uh, Professor Melendez, I wonder if you could uh, maybe clear up some misunderstanding. Some people understand, I think, fully the status of Puerto Rico. Many, I believe, don't. Puerto Rico is a territory of the, the U.S. Uh, Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens. Um, maybe expand from there. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Puerto Rico became part of the United States after the Spanish-American War in 1898. And shortly after, in 1917, uh, Puerto Ricans were granted uh, citizenship. Uh, that was reiterated in 1940 with the Nationality Act, in where uh, Puerto Ricans were made uh, uh, in a different type of citizenship, meaning uh, birthright citizenship, which means that uh, for the purpose of citizenship, being born in Puerto Rico is tantamount to being born like in New York or any other state, uh, Florida or Utah for that matter. Uh, so those are, you know, that citizenship is irreversible. We're very much part of the United States, but yet we're a territory. And by that, uh, we have uh, sort of an autonomous government, but it's completely subordinated to Congress. Ultimately, the law of the land is the Supreme Court and Congress enact laws. And over time, that has been uh, a blessing and a curse. Uh, at times, those laws favor Puerto Rico and has uh, sparked economic development and urbanism and modernization and what have you, uh, better education, uh, rising uh, living standards. But at other times, uh, like when 1996 were eliminated, in, uh, we started seeing the recession in 2006, and we haven't gotten out of it yet. And now with uh, the impact of Maria, that's going to get even even worse. So we have a lot of challenges, and the United States has been a partner in both good times and bad times, and, and they are responsible as much as local authorities for the makeup of what we have and what we had over the last decade is is an economic downturn that local authorities and Congress have not been able to figure out. You know, we you know, uh, a, a public debt that is unprecedented in any state. Where the the, the Puerto Rico is now in bankruptcy proceedings uh, procedures for that purpose. Uh, but now take the utility company. You know, it's nine billion dollars in debt. The deterioration of that uh, is in bankruptcy right now. But the deterioration of the infrastructure is directly attributed to mismanagement by local authorities and neglect from uh, U.S. Congress. So now, uh, you know, moving forward, can we envision uh, an energy sector that is, uh, you know, incorporates more uh, solar energy? Can we envision, uh, you know, rebuilding that distribution systems, uh, uh, you know, resistant to storms, probably underground? Can we envision a better Puerto Rico? And I can go sector by sector, communications, mm -hmm. uh, you know, water distribution. And we have a challenge uh, ahead of us, and I think it's a shared responsibility. 
And for us to think that, uh, you know, Congress can walk away from us after, uh, you know, we're a possession because the United States uh, made us a possession. Uh, it wasn't consensual. It wasn't that Puerto Ricans voted for democracy. I think they would have, uh, but but we were not given that chance. So now, fast forward a hundred plus years uh, under American uh, the American flag, all of us are American citizens. Yet we don't get equal treatment under the law. And do you do you think that's because of lack of a, or how much of that do you think is a, because of lack of representation? That Puerto Ricans can't vote for president, can't vote for for Congress. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, it, it will favor uh, the situation if we had representatives in Congress. We do have uh, a number of elected officials who are, you know, in Congress and everywhere else in the in the country. We have about 150 elected officials at the local level, plus you know, four or five uh, congressional leaders that are of Puerto Rican descent. So we have some voices there, but I think the issue of the status has been going on uh, even prior to the U.S. invasion of Puerto Rico. Because the, the the way Puerto Ricans got to New York was as as part of the revolutionary movement, and at that time the debate was exactly the same. Should we? Well, we all wanted to be free from Spanish colonialism, and we saw in the in the United States an ally, a democratic uh, ally. But at the same time, you know, uh, manifest destiny, the imperialism of um, of the United States was also a, a factor. So you have this. Uh, sort of dilemma of what is the role of the United States with respect to what is now uh, probably the last few colonies that remain in the world, which are all American territories. And the U.S. hasn't had a coherent policy towards those territories, and here, here we are. But the undeniable fact is that we're part of the United States, and it's, you know, FEMA doesn't say, oh, we're going to assist in hurricanes and disaster, natural disasters, except for Puerto Rico, or except for this other territory. It says that it will do it for all, uh, all uh, states and territories. So, you know, that's the, that's the reality, that we're part of it. And now, what does that mean for the future of Puerto Rico in terms of status? That's an interesting question. I do know that perhaps the leadership of, of this country has been lacking in how they have responded, including on-the-ground logistics and commitment, you know, uh, we have seen much better uh, response in, uh, in Texas or Florida, for example. Uh, we saw in Katrina, after the Army uh, was assigned to, manu- you know, to oversee the logistics, a much better response than what we're seeing today in Puerto Rico, today, mm-hmm. a month later, a month after. We're still seeing the lack of coordination. There are shipments getting to the ports, and they're not distributed because of, you know, FEMA uh, decisions. So, so we're still in the middle of, of this. Now, what does it mean for the future? I can tell you this. When, when the Army goes to communities and assists them, the sentiment is one of being thankful to be appreciative of that. But when the supplies are not distributed because of logistic ineptitude, uh, then there is resentment. And how those uh, sentiments are going to play out politically in the future remain to be seen. I do know that Congress has no appetite whatsoever uh, to entertain the notion of the future of Puerto Rico right now. They're trying to, uh, to do what they do, nothing as long as they can, 
And I think we need to make them accountable to have a good package of support for Puerto Rico, and then we go from there on. Whether this is going to be a window for us to reassess that relationship, I hope so. I hope so. And we'll, uh, we'll a little later in the program, want to revisit this uh, future future political status of uh, of uh, Puerto Rico. We uh, we are also talking in the program. This that was uh, Professor Melendez, uh, the Center for Puerto Rican Studies. We're also talking with Dorani Rodriguez, who's a lawyer in uh, Salt Lake City. And we bring in uh, now um, Carlos Nunez, who uh, is uh, can, can give some ways to help and. Uh, uh, he is a Utah resident, uh, Puerto Rican uh, descent, I believe. And uh, Carlos Nunez, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Um, hello. I, I, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay, great. Uh, welcome to the program. We're glad you're able to uh, to join us. Um, I'm, Thank uh, you for having us here. I'm, I'm reading a uh, Fox 13 News story. This is from uh, September 27th. Um, I'm just quoting this. Carlos Nunez hasn't slept much since Maria struck the, struck the U.S. territory a week ago. He's been trying to get his mother off the island. And uh, then a little later on, it's, it, it gives us the happy conclusion. You were, you were able to get your mother off the island. Yes, that's correct. With the help of um, Dorani, who's also here, um, she had a contact that had helped us, was so kind to bring my mom out of the island after they had gone to the island in their private plane to go take some good and supplies. What was your What was your mother's experience there during the, the hurricane? Um, my mother's experience, she's kind of, um, I don't know if you can say traumatized. Uh, when she talks about it, she definitely gets very sad. Um, as soon as uh, she got on that plane to come out to come back, I remember she was just crying out of emotions and she just said, you know, these are angels who came to pick me. And this was, uh, so. this was a company delivering supplies, right, that was able to bring her back? Yes, yes. Uh, Mela Lilka from Idaho, they were taking some supplies and some help and relief efforts to Puerto Rico. And um, after they delivered those, they, when coming back, they offered to bring her. Uh, so you've been involved in uh, trying to organize ways to help uh, Puerto Rico. What, uh, what would you say? What, uh, what's the best way to help? Um, right now, so we had we we got a good some drive that we did uh, maybe like two weeks ago, and we got a good supply of um, uh, of goods, and we're still um, I see we have received some um, recently. Now the best way to help um, will be from Utah would be to, to support our fundraisers and um, make donations, monetary ones that we can use to big to buy big ticket items like generators um, that are much needed in Puerto Rico. Uh, still, the island is, is facing a huge crisis in that, and, and I believe they're only at 15% um, that have electricity. And uh, another way would be to, to reach out to our Congress um, people, to Congress just to pay more attention to what's happening in Puerto Rico and, and address the items that are being requested by the government and the people of Puerto Rico. Mm. Let me turn back to uh, Dorani Rodriguez. Um, are, are there a lot of, is there a large Puerto Rican community in, in Utah, connections? Actually, there is. I mean, I remember when I came, you know, years ago, uh, there was not very many of us. Right now, there's a lot, and... 
and it keeps, you know, growing. There's a lot of Puerto Ricans that are coming. They come here because either they have job opportunities here in the state of Utah, they are with the armed forces, and they're, you know, stationed here in Utah, or they're here because they came to school and then they um, stay here. But, yes, the, the Puerto Rican um, community is growing, and they are they're all very... Um, willing to work together and that's something that is just very impressive to see all of us working together even though we're so far away working together to bring some sort of relief to the people that are in the island what do you think perceptions are of uh, puerto rico and puerto ricans in 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 the u.s and in in utah um I think they're pretty, you know, supportive. I don't think, you know, I have heard, you know, a lot of people saying there's the people that left, they should have, you know, stayed behind helping the people of Puerto Rico. But I think um, a lot of the people that I have, uh, you know, noticed that have come, that have left the island, is the what we call the vulnerable population. You know, these are the elderly. These are the people that are sick. These are, you know, maybe... Um, you know, little kids that, you know, they, they just need to be out. But, you know, people are supportive. I think that it doesn't matter, and, you know, the professor and Carlos could correct me, but it doesn't matter where you are. You are always a Puerto Rican, and wherever you are, it doesn't make a difference. I mean, would you agree with me? Uh, let's go first to Carlos on that one. What do you What do, what do you think? Oh, I, I certainly agree, and, and I'm sure many people notice it on the media when when Puerto Ricans are, are get, I guess we get pretty loud when we want to celebrate something or we want to um, make our, our voice be heard. Um, we thank, thank I, I guess in that sense I am so grateful for uh, the relationship uh, between United States and Puerto Rico that we just get to travel so freely and easily between um, the island and mainland. And um, we always have that special connection. And, yeah, I, I would agree with Giovanni. Professor Melendez, what do you, what do you say to this idea of, uh, of, of, of culture, uh, identity? Well, uh, it's hard to imagine anyone in Puerto Rico that doesn't have family now in the diaspora. And, and again, the numbers are 5.5 million here in the States and under 3.5 in the island. So just imagine to think that our families were di- that are divided. Every family has uh, a leg in Puerto Rico or a leg in some state, you know, whether Florida, Utah, New York. And so it's, it's inconceivable to think that we're going to break those family ties or we're going to bring the traditions and the culture uh, just because we're located anywhere else than the island. Uh, you know, but but having said that, we have our own identity here in the states. Uh, you know, the majority of Puerto Ricans who live in the states, even with this wave, recent wave, uh, are you know in, English speakers, uh, U.S. born, and so those new generations have adapted our heritage in ways that are different from what there are in the island. And yes, there are sometimes you know some cultural clashes and whatever. But as uh, my colleagues have said here. You know what unites us is so strong. The, the the roots are so deep that we can. You know, I think of Puerto Ricans as uh, as a as a community in flow. You know, nomadic. 
where we go back and forth. Return migration was a phenomenon until recently. And we had a lot of people. There were still people going, but not at the same pace that they were going uh, before for retirement, for uh, to look for work. But as the economy deteriorated, now the flows are more pronounced. You know, uh, the exodus is from the island to the United States. But those ties, those, uh, you know, historical, cultural ties are, are not disappearing. And I think things like this, the economic crisis before the hurricane, but the impact of Maria, it's just bringing us all together. And, more, and we're, you know, we are even more united today with respect to what matters, which is supporting and helping Puerto Rico than ever before. So if there is any silver lining out of this, is that the Puerto Rico Solidarity Movement is just growing and stronger. And I hope that it will be the foundation for the future, both for the island and for our community stateside. So, Professor, Puerto Rico Solidarity Movement, uh, what, uh, what, is the, what does the movement want? What's the end goal? Well, you know, as you know, Puerto Ricans have been divided on the issue to whether it become a state or not for a long time. And and uh, support for the other formulas, you know. Typically, normally you will talk about three uh, three different formulas. I think it's better to think in terms of affiliation with the United States or 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 uh, be, you know remaining as a separate country yet with ties to the United States. I don't think you know if you were to take a poll in Puerto Rico, I would say 99% plus of the people will say that you know they vote for American citizenship, right? But if you take a poll in terms of identity and Puerto Ricanness, I would say that 99% of the people will also vote for that. So here's the dilemma: mm-hmm. can can the United States receive a, a, a country, a nation of uh, of a different ethnic makeup, in which people have this duality? They they you know appreciate the, the American citizenship and their their every benefit and responsibility that comes with that. Yet, at the same time, we're proud of our heritage, and, and we feel that we're Latin Americans, you know, in culture. Uh, now, having said that, there are another 60 million Latinos in the United States, so the country's changing. And, and, it's, uh, and I think the country is more receptive to the idea of a multicultural society where that, that is, you know, sort of receiving all these different cultures and merging and and adapting and, uh, and you know, nurturing each other. So I think we're part of that. And I, and so, but, but I think this is a window now this, uh, for, first, the American public to know more about us, just like we're doing this program. It's happening all over the country. People are learning that we're American citizens. We're, they're learning about our history. They're learning about our challenges. And more importantly, they're learning that we share responsibility towards the island right now. Mm. Let me turn back to Dorani Rodriguez. Um, and this, we've been discussing these, you know, these options, political status options for uh, um, Puerto Rico and giving some context and a little bit of history to help people understand the situation. And, and so, you know, you, you might think uh, with 80% of the island uh, still without power and, uh, and uh, more than a third of households without reliable drinking water at home. This is way too <laughs> not the time to have this discussion. But I, but it, but but I I wonder. I'd like to drop this in the middle here, and then we could re- return to some of the other more urgent issues. Uh, the people you talk to, 
um, for example, your parents coming over or people you've in contact with back uh, in in the U.S. or Puerto Ricans living in the in the in the U.S. Um, what are the attitudes um, that, that they have? Is there a consensus? Statehood, independence, status quo? You know what? It's it, it's there's not, and I think that has been the issue for you know all these years that people are not they're divided. Like the professor said, there's different formulas, and there's people that all you know want to see the island going into a different direction. And I think that has been you know the situation you know forever. Um, so yeah, I don't you know everywhere you know you talk to different peoples, and they all have different views. There's some that would like Puerto Rico to become a state. There's others that say we want to continue having the same relationship that we have, uh, and others that would like the island to be independent. So, um, yeah, there's not a consensus. I think there's been some, you know, you know, primaries that have been held in the island to try to, you know, decide what should be the way that the island, you know, should go. And it has always, you know, it's been divided. Some, you know, and sometimes it's been people pro um, the, the the Commonwealth, you know, just continue being the way, you know, we are right now. Other times it's been um, pro-statehood. But again, it's just nothing, not, not a consensus. Uh, Carlos Nunez, I don't know if what, you, what you hear on this subject. Um, I think for many years um, the political party that um, affiliates with what we have right now, the Estado Libre Asociado, um, it, it, it was a bigger group, but more recently now people are starting to want to have a, a more clear identity. I think it's shifting more. People are realizing or are or, or disagreeing with our current status and they want their identity. People either are shifting more towards, okay, we are, we want independence or we want statehood. We want to clearly um, know, know where we are. And I, and I think, and, and, and that's shifting a little bit to the earlier subject, um, to, to me, I've lived in, in several, um, in more than one state, um, traveled very often between Puerto Rico and the states, and and I've noticed something, and it is that it seems as if a Puerto Rican is a little too Latin for an American and a little too American for the rest of the Latin community. Um, I speak Spanish. I was, I was raised speaking Spanish, yet I was, I grew up, watching um, Saved by the Bell, Full House, you know, many many of the same things, and, and actually educated in a, in a school which was taught by my, my teachers were Americans. And and it feels like um, when I'm with uh, with my friends here in Utah, we share a lot of things in common, but, but others were a little, you know, so different when it comes because of our language or something. And... Um, that's just kind of in the skin of the surface, but when, when it comes politically, I think we also want, um, let's say, in the status where Puerto Rico is right now, where or, or has been that we are facing a debt problem, but the same things don't apply to us and to Puerto Rico than other states. And I think we want to just exit that gray zone and, and know where we stand. 
and have better control of, of the policies and everything that affects Puerto Rico that right now we don't have. I think um, we do have a government, but really the decisions come from mainland from a president that um, we cannot even vote for, or they cannot vote for, because I can live in here. Uh, Professor Melendez, I wonder what you would say to the interesting concept Carlos uh, brought up about uh, a, a gray zone, kind of uh, f- you know falling in the in the in the middle there, culturally and politically. Rest uh, the situation that we have, and uh, you know the element at the end of the day is that yes, Puerto Ricans have a say in this, and they eventually will get to it. But the other side of the equation is that the, the U.S. Congress has really, really uh, neglected Puerto Rico for a long time in terms of, for example, we didn't have access to bankruptcy until last year. Uh, the, the policies about uh, federal tax exemption to spark economic development in Puerto Rico were decided in Congress, and, and you know, Puerto Ricans were divided about it, but the impact of those decisions are long-lasting and 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 uh, really, uh, you know, <laughs> made a difference, a substantive difference in where we go with the island. So uh, part of the equation is figuring out uh, how it is that we can have a coherent policy towards the territories in general, but specifically towards Puerto Rico, and, uh, you know, and making Congress accountable, because they're not an innocent party in this equation. Uh, and and it's it's that sort of ad hoc nature of governance and responsibilities of the U.S. Congress and the president towards Puerto Rico that I think is contributing to this ambivalence that Puerto Ricans face. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that one formula or another will be favored, but we need a clear process to discern this uh, this question. I also know that as long as we have the situation that we have with the economic crisis, it's going to be very difficult to engage in a conversation about the future of Puerto Rico vis-a-vis the relationship with the United States. So from my perspective, it's so imperative that we envision the rebuilding of Puerto Rico from where it is now and the economic foundation from where it is now for the future of Puerto Rico so that then we can have a foundation to make a decision uh, both in Congress and the U.S. and in and Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico and across the, the country. Because this is this exodus that we have over the last uh, you know decade and a half and the one that's going to continue because of Maria is indicative that the decision about the future of Puerto Rico has to engage the diaspora. We can influence Congress. We are influencing Congress through our elected officials and leadership, community leadership. And I think we have a voice with respect to what happens to Puerto Rico. And now that is more evident than ever. So, but, but we need to figure out a process that is binding to the U.S. Congress. Enough of ambivalence. Enough of neglect. We got to partner, as we have in the past in so many instances, in terms of figuring out the future of Puerto Rico. Let's take another break, and when we come back, we'll have our final segment, uh, focusing on Puerto Rico on the program today. Uh, Of course, Hurricane Maria devastated the the island uh, about a month ago, and uh, right now, uh, 3 million Puerto Ricans, 80% of the population still without power, more than a third of households without reliable drinking water at home. 
We're getting some history, some context, uh, looking to the future, and uh, giving you some ways to uh, to help. So uh, very quickly, uh, Carlos Nunez, you uh, you set up, um, you helped to set up Utah for Puerto Rico. It's it's on Facebook. Is that is that a good way to for people to go and help? Yes, that would be the the ideal way is to to seek to look for us in Facebook Utah support for Puerto Rico, and from there we provide updates and and information as to where you can go to donate and what we're doing. And uh, Dorani Rodriguez, you said uh, I guess money cash is probably best at this point. Yes, at this time, if we want to bring you know light to Puerto Rico, that would be the best way to for people to donate. And Professor Melendez, uh, Centro PR is a good good way to uh, good place to go. Yes, yeah, Centro PR. If you Google that, it will come to our front page, and there is a tab there for Rebuild Puerto Rico. And when you go in there, you're going to find where you know different charities to donate, how to help, uh, information, news about policy, uh, and where you can volunteer as well. So I invite everybody to visit uh, to visit our page, Centro PR. Okay, and we'll give that out a little later again in the program as well. Uh, we'll have more on Puerto Rico with Carlos Nunez, uh, who helped start Utah support uh, for uh, Puerto Rico. He's a Utah resident uh, the Puerto Rican ties. Uh, we're also talking with Dorania Rodriguez, who is a lawyer in Salt Lake City uh, with the Puerto Rican ties as well. And Edwin Melendez is professor of urban affairs and planning at Hunter College and director of the Center for Puerto Rican Studies. More following this break. Sadistic, poisonous, anti-human, and sneaky. Like a fly on the wall. You wouldn't hear us or you wouldn't see us. How can we mix it up? How can we stir it up? I bugged my car. On the next Radio Lab. A grotesque invasion of privacy. Smile, Smile. you're, you're on, on handed camera. camera. Join us this Saturday at noon on Utah Public Radio. Hey, my name is Brian from Portland, Oregon. I love listening to Bullseye when there's someone on whose work I'm familiar with, and I love it even more when I don't know the person who Jesse's interviewing. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week, I'm talking with the great Gilbert Gottfried, subject of a new documentary, plus filmmaker Maggie Betts. That's on the next Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Join us Saturday afternoon at 1 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. One month after Hurricane Maria devastated Puerto Rico, three million Puerto Ricans, or 80% of the population, are still without power. More than a third of households are without reliable drinking water at home. The death toll may be in the hundreds. Um, and we're discussing Puerto Rico, uh, some of the history, some of the context, and the urgent current need as well today. With Edwin Melendez, Professor of Urban Affairs and Planning at Hunter College and Director of the Center for Puerto Rican Studies, and uh, Dorani Rodriguez, a Salt Lake City lawyer. We're also talking with Carlos Nunez, a Utah resident who started Utah Support for Puerto Rico. You can find that on Facebook at Utah for Puerto Rico. And uh, we're suggesting you also go to uh, Centro PR and uh, look for ways to, to help there. Um, so let me uh, start this uh, segment with Dorani Rodriguez. Um, you've you brought your parents over, just like Carlos uh, did. So your parents are safe. I imagine, imagine you and uh, obviously your parents would know many who are still on the island and uh, and uh, and still have a, a lots of problems. Yes, and we try as much as you know. There's communication. We try to contact them, and we are, you know, just trying to say we're help is on the way. 
um, I think that's one of the biggest, you know, frustrations that people have is that, you know, they're not seeing a lot of the help um, just yet. And that's why we are committed to take the help right there, you know, to the people of Puerto Rico and make sure that it all gets to them and that we are, you know, providing not only, you know, power for the people that, you know, that needs it, but just basic essentials, uh, food, water. Uh, we're even taking tarps for people to just put in their, you know, the roofs. Uh, there are some people that have landed in the island today from our group that have taken already, um, you know, some of these needed help. Uh, we already had um, somebody else that went about a week ago and stay there for five days, and they had a, a private airplane, and they went about five times back and forth to Florida just, you know, carrying supplies and just handing it over to the, you know, people in Puerto Rico. So we are excited. We are hopeful. Uh, every time you say it's been a month, it just, I get goosebumps, because even though it seems that that was so long ago, right now things are as if it just had happened yesterday. And that's why we're calling for, you know, we're raising our voice saying, please help us. These people are in the island. They need help. They need our help. And, and we're just just asking for your support. We just have a couple of minutes left. We'll just uh, give a minute each to uh, to uh, uh, Carlos Nunez and to Professor Melendez. First with uh, Carlos Nunez, what... Uh, uh, what would you say, The I guess just to reiterate, the best way to help, uh, your, the Facebook page? Yeah, we'll just, I'll just, we'll just repeat that, yes, the, the Facebook group, um, to, through the Facebook group, you can get informed um, and get links to our fundraisers um, through UCARI that we're getting, we're receiving money. And just to be informed, spread the word. Let others know of um, the need that Puerto Rico has. That um, it, it, we just—it's just gonna—it's not gonna be just now, or, or it's gonna—it's not gonna end anytime soon. It's—it's it's a lot of help that needs to be done, and and thanks to to the media helping spread that word. So we we simply believe we need the fundraisers, but we also need to spread the word and make others aware of what's happening. I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes um, media may, may distract us and make us think what is not or, or just destructive of what is necessary. I've heard many comments, um, people saying, well, for example, at, at the beginning when all this happened, people were, were saying, well, it's the people in Puerto Rico not doing things. Um, Others were trying to blame FEMA or, or whoever else. And I think right now... Um, we just need to focus. There's a need. Let's get moving. Let's work together and and help each other. Okay, and again, the Facebook page, Utah for Puerto Rico. You can go and help uh, help there. So just 30 seconds, Professor Melendez, uh, a good place to go as well is, is Central PR. Central PR, and, you know, thank you so much for doing this work. You've been a great host, and these are great uh, discussion panelists. And, and to the listeners, you know, thanks for your attention to this issue. Please let not let this die. Let's we gotta keep the flame going. It's very important. Uh, it's uh, 
has been said before, it's like it happened today. People are still in need, and we got to step up. So thank you so much to all of you. And again, those are the places to go for the Facebook page, Utah for Puerto Rico, and you could also go to Centro PR. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Dorani Rodriguez, a Salt Lake uh, lawyer, who is uh, who's uh, helping out. Uh, Dorani Rodriguez, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. And uh, we've been talking with Edmund Melendez, Professor of Urban Affairs and Planning at Hunter College, Director of the Center for Puerto Rican Studies. Professor, thank you so much. Well, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks to you. And also Carlos Nunez, a Utah resident who started the Utah Support for Puerto Rico. That's on Facebook at Utah for Puerto Rico. Carlos Nunez, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you to your team for supporting us and helping us. And thanks for listening to Access Utah. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll sample some familiar songs reinterpreted by international performers. You'll hear the music of Simon and Garfunkel, the Eagles, Ray Charles, the Beatles, and U2. I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join me for Cover the World, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Join us Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Children are going to play. Play? Play. (laughs) But what about adults? If you miss out on play, you will suffer certain consequences. Obviously, adult play is a route for personal transformation. It is a very necessary part of being human. I'm Guy Raz. Press play. Next time on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Join us Sunday afternoon at 2 on Utah Public Radio. This is Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. Heard on KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan, also heard online at upr.org.